Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah. I'm the Ministry Assistant at Heritage. And tonight, we continue our study on the Book of Romans with two brand new guest panelists. As always, we encourage you to join the conversation. Or if you'd like to pray with somebody, we have call screeners standing by for the hour to take your call at 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, we had a great week of vacation Bible time at our church, and it really it flew by. Uh, I was wondering, did you have any highlights for the week? Well, Micah, you were a highlight to everyone, of course, but uh, <laughs> but really, uh, I want to give a couple of the highlights as well. Okay. A highlight was just our young people uh-huh. of our church, some yeah. of the kids that we have seen grow up in our church and how they were just so excited mm-hmm. for the week, singing the songs, memorizing the verses. Yeah. And one night, um, one of our families, the the Khalees, hi, Chloe, hi, Phoebe, how you, how you doing out there? They live out there in, in New Jersey, uh-huh. and they were coming a, it was a little bit late, and, and Chloe said, I hate being late for VBT, <laughs> you know? So that's, that was the spirit of our young people, oh, which, is, so which is really great. So, but there were, were highlights like that, and I just want to say one other highlight was really to see uh, Douglas and Jacob do the acting in the skit. They mm-hmm. just did a great job, and it was really good to see them flourish in that role. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, well, I agree. I just wanted to say, too, um, I love seeing some of the kids that grew up in VBT, yeah. like Douglas and Jacob and Jackie and Nana and others, help out. You know, it was almost right. like a seamless transition. You know, the minute they were too old to be attending VBT, they were helping yeah. out with the skit, with the games, etc. So I love seeing that as well. Yeah, uh, wonderful. Well, we had a great weekend, and we're excited to be with you tonight, dear friends, on the Heritage Faith Conversation Program. And we're going to finish up in Romans chapter 5 this evening in such a powerful passage of Scripture that focuses us in on the superabounding grace of Jesus Christ for sinners who abounded in sin, who need abounding grace. And isn't that us all? Mm-hmm. Isn't that us all? We're mm-hmm. abounding sinners, and we need superabounding grace to overrule yes. right, right, that sin. And we have an awesome couple in our church. God just so powerfully and providentially brought you guys into our church, George and Lorraine. Thanks for being with us tonight. We're so happy to have you at Heritage and on the program for the first time tonight. This is such a great subject as well for you because you have awesome testimonies that you'll be sharing a little bit. But just... Uh, welcome to our program. Say hello to the listeners and just tell a little bit about like where you're from and how you got here. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, it's great to be here with you guys. It's something new, mm-hmm. and it's just a great opportunity to grow in the Lord. Um, well, my name is Lorraine, and I'm from Ridgewood, Queens. I've I was born there, grew up there, mm-hmm. okay. been there my whole life. And here I am today Amen. with you guys. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Well, there are a lot of folks out there in Ridgewood, Queens. And, and if you're out there in Ridgewood, Queens, come on to Heritage Baptist Church because we have a number of people from that area. George, God bless you, brother. Where are you from? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, thank you for the invitation. And I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Um, 
I feel like this is a moment right now where I see Jesus walking on the water. Amen. And he's saying, hey, can I, can I actually <laughs> step out of this boat and walk? And I feel like Peter right now. So Amen. I'm excited Amen. for the Praise invitation God. right now. Praise wow. God, brother. Well, we're so, so happy to have you guys with us. And we're going to be in Romans chapter 5 tonight. We're going to read this passage beginning at verse 17, just the last few verses of Romans 5. And then we'll look to the Lord in prayer as we begin this evening. Romans chapter 5, I'm going to begin at verse 17. God's word. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all, to ju- all men to justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, Father, thank you for your amazing grace, that your gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ shows us the way how to reign in life by the Lord Jesus, and that grace would reign. Lord, there is an abounding sin in our city. But we thank you that where sin does abound, your grace can superabound. So, God, if there's any who have been wandering away from your love and wandering into sinful pleasures and drinking from the streams of poison, some tonight, Lord, have even fallen into Satan's traps. And so, God, we pray if there's any who have uh, are giving themselves over to the sinful pleasures of this world, to the selfish practices of this life, that your grace would abound and that they would submit themselves to you. And dear friends, if you're out there tonight and you feel the Lord drawing you to himself, just ask the almighty God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of lights, in whom there is no shifting or variation. Ask Him to cast out every sinful desire. Ask Him to bind those demons that would tempt and afflict you. Submit yourselves to Him and trust the superabounding grace of Jesus. So, Lord, we thank You now. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the superabounding grace of God is needed for abounding sinners. As our text, our main text says, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And that word, much more abound, is actually one word in the original language, literally hyperabounding. It's mm-hmm. like, and, and there's, it only, it's only used a couple of times in the New Testament. So here's the hyper, super abounding grace of Jesus Christ. And isn't grace a great word mm-hmm. yes. in the New Testament? Mm-hmm. I think some of our favorite verses have grace in it. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And I love Second Corinthians 8, 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. And grace appears about 156 times oh, wow. in the New Testament. And, you know, I looked up the first time. The, it does not appear in the Gospel of Matthew. Hmm. The word hmm. grace is not in the Gospel of Matthew. The first time, the, if you just read in the New Testament, the first time you'll come to the word grace is in the Gospel of Luke. Hmm. And it's used of Mary. 
that mm. she found favor, mm. which is grace, uh, okay. in the eyes of the Lord. So that's the first appearance of grace. Mm. Mary mm. found grace to bring forth the Savior. And the second time it's used, it's used of Jesus, mm. that he grew in grace oh, okay. and the knowledge of of his Father. Mm. And so Jesus, mm-hmm. who is the fullness of grace, also experienced grace as he grew into manhood in his humanity. So those are the first couple times that the word grace appears, and we all need it, don't we? Yes, we do. Amen. And George and Lorraine, you guys have been a real blessing for the, uh, at, at our church and a very dynamic testimonies that you have and just your your spirit that you carry to the, the love and the joy in the Lord. And, and I know God's grace has abounded in your life. So I thought it would be good as we start this program tonight that you just share some of your testimonies with us. And George, why don't you start us off uh, and share a brief testimony of how God saved you by His grace. So by God's grace alone, um, coming from a Catholic background from my, my parents bringing us in Catholicism and you know having that religi- religion um, something happened to me while I was in the streets you know born and raised East New York Brooklyn hard life um, I started selling drugs at a young age mm. you know so um, I wound up catching a case and going to prison mm. and getting sentenced for 15 and a half years but wow. Um, being raised as uh, as a Catholic, and my mom was the first one who gave her life to the Lord. Um, I remember this it was like 1978. So my mom gave her life to the Lord, and she started taking us to church, church dragging us to church. You know, we said, "Hey, going to church." Mm-hmm. I remember the bus driver used to uh, I, be calling me from outside, and and I'll keep him waiting. And and mm-hmm. I I did a lot of a lot of bad in the church, and um. So, but I, I've always heard about Christ, and but I never was saved. And when I went to prison, and my mother, uh, you know, I remember she was like, you know, Jesus, Jesus, and I was ashamed. I was actually ashamed to actually. Now I'm going to cry to Jesus now that I got in trouble. Mm-hmm. I'm going. Yeah. I'm not going to do that, mom. And she was like, Well, let me send you a Bible. I said, If you want, just send me a Bible. You know. So she sent me a Bible, and it was a uh, new uh, King James version. It was mm-hmm. a thousand the dust, and it was you know, in English. and um, it was it was kind of tough to read, but I was actually you know reading it. But I was fighting this case, and I was like um, going through so much. And my mom, I called my mom on the phone, and she's like, "Are you reading the Bible?" I'm like, "Mom, why are you asking me about this Bible stuff, man? <laughs> I'm trying to they're trying to yeah. give me a lot of time here. You yeah. know we here." But, you know, and plus this Tao dust stuff, I can't understand it. So she said, let me send you an a, a NIV version, you know. And I remember receiving this NIV version Bible, and it said, um, don't read this as a book from beginning to end, but read about the author and the finisher of your faith. Um, two weeks, a study of two weeks in the life of Jesus. And mm-hmm. I remember two weeks in prison went like, you know, like a, as you could read two weeks in a day. So um, I start reading this Bible, and I start reading about the the life, the the birth, the the miracles, the crucifixion, and all this story. But um, as I was reading the gospel about the crucifixion of Christ, um, I just went into a trance. Like you know, I started seeing a vision, and um, I seen this soldier, like the soldier crucifying Christ, mm. and putting the nails in Jesus' hands. And he goes to the right, and then he goes to the left, and then when he gets to the feet, he looks, he lifts up the hammer, and he looks up, and it was my face. And it was actually my face putting, it was me putting Christ on the cross. And, wow. and yeah. I had got a, a reflection of everything that I ever did bad t- 
to anyone. And um, it just, you know, I just thought crying. I'm talking about that deep, deep yeah. crying, and I didn't know what to do. I wanted mm. to be saved, but I didn't know. And I, I called my mother, and I said, Mom, I want to receive Jesus, but I don't know how. And she said, just ask Christ to come into your life. And it was like Praise God. the best experience in my life. I mean, Amen. I felt um, <laughs> that super bonding grace yeah. that you're speaking about yeah. right here over my life. And, yeah. and, and my life has never been the same after that. Yeah. So. Praise God. And and thank God. They often talk about jailhouse religion. People mm-hmm. turn to the Lord in prison, but then when they get out, they turn back to the old ways. But you didn't, mm-hmm. by the grace of God, because the, the Lord really did Amen. amazing work. And dear friends, I know George's testimony resonates with a lot of you. And if you need Jesus, you call us right now at 929-333-3739. We will pray with you. We will tell you of Christ and his grace that can abound in your life. So, Lorraine, would you like to share a bit of your testimony of salvation? I don't think you were saved in prison. (laughs) No, 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 but... um, My offenses were just the same in the sight of God. That's right, right? So, um, as a teenager, I was extremely rebellious um, against my parents. And no matter what they did or told me, I just, you know, I didn't want to hear it. I wanted to do things my way. And then I was just so lost and insecure. And being lost, being insecure, and not being in Christ, that led me into toxic relationships. And then um, I eventually got pregnant, and that's beside the fact that I had caught ovarian cancer at the age of 15 years old. Mm, wow. Um, and God saved me mm. from that, mm. and I was missing an ovary. Mm. So, And I still managed to um, get pregnant. Mm. So um, through the toxic relationship, I had gotten pregnant outside of marriage, and um, by this time, I was already a couple years out of church. And it wasn't until one night I was invited back by one of my old friends from my childhood church. And he was like, hey, why don't you um, come and join us for youth night? And I was like, okay, you know, why not? You know, it would be nice to see my old friends and, and whatnot. So I went back. And that very night, he spoke about rebellion mm-hmm. and how rebellious we are and I sat there in the room and I just felt like he was talking about me and I felt so guilty at that very moment and then so ever since then I started going mm-hmm. continually and then um, one night I decided to open up my Bible it was gifted to me it was also an NIV Bible And I just decided to start from the book of Genesis. And I didn't even get very far in the book Mm. of Genesis. I got to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, it it wasn't the story itself, but the devotional part of the Bible where the author spoke of letting things go, letting God guide you, let go of the familiar and walk in step with the Lord. Let him guide you when you feel him nudging you, pushing you. And I was so convicted because 
I felt that God was nudging me and pushing me, especially to leave this relationship mm. because it was so toxic. And I began looking for the Lord and the other person wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so um, I didn't know how and I, I didn't want to. But I bawled that night because it gave me so much conviction of my life, how, how comfortable I was in my sin and all the things that I was doing. And that night, I, I truly gave my, mm. my life and my heart to the Lord. And I asked God, please give me the strength and the courage to do what I need to do to do that, to do what you're calling me to do. Mm. So then I decided. I'm going to leave this relationship for the Lord. Mm. And God gave me the grace, gave me the courage mm. to do so. And ever since then, God has been moving me forward and forward, even through my mistakes up until now. He has shown me so much grace. And yeah. by His grace, I... I'm saved through Praise. faith. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So that was Amen. when you were you were reading in Genesis on about to Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. and that was at home. You were home. I was at on, home. And and so that was subsequent to the the youth meeting where he was preaching about rebellion. Yes. And that was really just you and God and God dealing mm -hmm. with you, convicting you, yes. drawing you. Praise the Lord. Well, God is so alive. God is so much at work, isn't mm -hmm. he? Yeah. And mm -hmm. so, dear friend, let God work in your life right now. Because there are some people out there who've been dealing drugs or who mm -hmm. are in these kinds of toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. Who are Maybe you're not dealing drugs, but drugs has a stranglehold on your life. And it's only the grace of God. And God's grace will be sufficient, is sufficient for you, dear friends, to turn your life over to Jesus tonight. Call us right now at 929-333-3739. And I know you would not regret that. So this evening, we're going to look at the superabounding grace of God and how God's grace abounded by Christ coming into the world, by the law entering. God showed His grace by giving the law, we will see, and that God's grace abounds through the reigning of the righteousness and the grace to eternal life through Jesus Christ. So, George, in this passage of Scripture, Paul has been comparing the one man, Adam, and his sin to the one man, Jesus Christ, who was absolutely righteous and obedient. So according to these verses, and I'm going to read verse 18 and 19 again, how important is it, and it'll be the question we could talk about here, how important is it that Christ had to live a perfectly righteous, obedient life? Okay, so here are the verses. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. That is so beautiful, isn't it? Very so, George, how, how important is it that Christ lived that righteous, obedient life? Pastor Matthew, um, I just have to share the scripture with you from the book of Hebrews, chapter 14. I mean, chapter 4, verses 14. And it says, 
seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into mm. the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Yeah. Amen. So Jesus being without sin, mm-hmm. being... It, it, the Bible says that he goes before us. He, you know, he goes before the the sheep. You know, to to guard us and 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 relating to all of what we go through in everyday life, but without sin. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's not like any other any uh, any other person. There's none like Jesus. None like Jesus. And because only God is holy, right? And so Jesus was holy without sin. And I love how the different apostles put it. Like Paul said, in him is no sin. Second Corinthians 5.21. Peter said that he did no sin. And John, the apostle says, in him is, is no sin. And so that's the testimony of the apostles who knew him. And of course, Jesus Christ, being God manifest in flesh is holy, and he had to be holy without sin in order to take ours, yes. right? And so praise God for, and that we can now come to him because he was yet tempted, like you brought out that wonderful verse. Yes. He was tempted, and it's not, tempt, it's not a sin to be tempted, mm-hmm. and Jesus was tempted, but without sin. Praise and the Lord. Matthew, it's just so important that people know the Jesus of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's very, very right. important that people know right. the Jesus, the of, the Jesus of the Bible. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Micah? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it this week, and I just thought, you know, throughout the Old Testament, God, he makes it clear to Israel that whenever they were to make an animal animal sacrifice, it must be a young animal with no imperfections. You know, it was a very specific command about a very specific sacrifice. And as George mentioned, at point, you know, all that perfection, it pointed forward to Christ. And, you know, the animal sacrifice was usually a male lamb, but there's an interesting case in Numbers 19 where the sacrifice was a red heifer whose blood would be used to purify the tabernacle and whose ashes would be used to purify those who became unclean. And the reason I mention it is because even today as the Orthodox Jewish people in Jerusalem, they're looking to rebuild their temple. They're in search of this perfect red heifer and it's almost impossible to find, you know, because these reddish orange cows, if they even have one hair on the body that is white, then that cow is disqualified. So again, this almost impossible perfection points forward to Jesus because if Jesus had even one tiny sin, Mm -hmm. he would have been disqualified. Mm -hmm. His total perfection was required. And praise God that he fulfilled that requirement. Yeah, amen. And just to nail these verses, too, a little bit into our hearts, I love what it says in Romans 5.17. It says, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And it's only through one. That grace and gift of righteousness is only through Jesus Christ. And then in verse 18, he talks about the righteousness of one. There's only one who's absolutely righteous. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, the righteous, John says in another place. And verse 19 says, the obedience of one. So the righteousness of one, the obedience of one, mm-hmm. the the gift of righteousness. And that makes me think as well of the prophet Isaiah who says, I will rejoice in the Lord. 
who, and my soul shall be joyful in my God. He has clothed me with the garments of salvation and covered me with the robes of righteousness mm. as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments. So this gift of righteousness, look at it this way. It's like a robe, mm-hmm. like a wedding garment of righteousness that God gives to us mm. through Jesus because of his righteousness. He gives us his righteousness and we're clothed in it. Amen. 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 So dear friends, are you sure you're clothed in that righteousness? And if you want us to pray with you, and if you even want to come, uh, you know, if if there's a listener and you want us to pray with you live, we will do that. We, we don't often like to pray with uh, callers because um, we have the call screeners who do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I feel like with George's testimony and how God saved you in prison and Lorraine, how God saved you out of these to- this kind of a toxic relationship, maybe there's somebody who has been ensnared in drugs tonight and can't break the power of that cocaine or heroin addiction, call us tonight and God can deliver you. Or maybe you're in some kind of a relationship. Maybe you're even in an abusive relationship and you know you need to get out of that relationship, but you just don't know how. We would love to pray with you. If you don't want to come online and pray live with us, certainly understand. Call us right now at 929-333-3739. Reach out to us tonight that we can help you and see the Lord deliver you. Now, Micah, some people look at this passage in Romans chapter 5 as Paul talks about how one man's sin brought judgment and condemnation to Mm -hmm. all yeah and then paul makes the point that through one man the gift the free gift came upon all men Mm -hmm. to justification of life Mm -hmm. and so some would misread that and have taught that paul is teaching universal salvation Mm -hmm. that just as adam's sin went universally to everyone Mm -hmm. that jesus is salvation now is going to go universally to everyone Mm -hmm. so the question here and this is a very important question Mm -hmm. is does the bible teach a universal salvation does Mm -hmm. the bible teach that everyone by the end of time going into eternity will be saved yeah well i you know this isn't a question that i've struggled with but i have to say that when i remember back to when i was a little kid finding out for the first time and realizing for the first time that people are going to spend eternity in hell. I can see the motivation why you would want to read that into this passage. Um, but we have to read Scripture in context and take the Bible as a whole. You know, All we need to do is look back at verse 1 in the same chapter, and Paul says that we are justified by faith. That means one must have faith for salvation. So while salvation is offered to all through Jesus' sacrifice, salvation is not universal, because not all will have faith. And there's one specific chapter in the Gospels that really obliterates the idea of universal salvation, and it's Matthew 25. Uh, in that chapter, Jesus gives the parable of ten virgins who are waiting for their bridegroom. You know, we're talking about the, the garment of the marriage ceremony. You know, five of them are prepared and five are unprepared. Yeah. And when the bridegroom comes, the five that are unprepared, they're permanently, permanently shut out from the marriage. You know, Jesus also speaks about two servants who are given talents, and one wastes his talent, and the other, you know, spends it well. And the one who wastes it, he was cast out into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm -hmm. And then lastly in that chapter, Jesus 
speaks about the sheep and the goats. The sheep are his followers. The goats are those who don't follow him. And the ultimate fate of the goats is in Matthew 25:46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. So scripture is clear. Salvation is yeah. offered to every man, mm-hmm. but not all accept it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what's universal. Mm-hmm. The, offer the offer is mm-hmm. universal. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So when Paul says here that the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life, he's not saying that universally everyone is saved, but that universally anyone can be saved if you will heed, if you will believe, if you will repent and turn to the Lord. And there, to me, there, you mentioned a, that is a powerful example in Matthew 25 and the sheep and the goats. Another mm-hmm. powerful example that just, to me, just nails shut any that there's no possibility of universal salvation is mm-hmm. is the is the unpardonable sin mm-hmm. because Jesus clearly said that those who commit the unpardonable sin will not be forgiven, neither in this world neither in the world to come. Mm-hmm. So, so that means, yeah. at least for those who committed that sin, there's, yeah. there's not salvation, which means there is no universal salvation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, dear friend. And there are a lot of verses yeah. that teach as well that salvation is universally mm-hmm. offered right. to everyone. Mm-hmm. And that, for example, First Timothy 2.6, he gave himself a ransom for all. First John 2, 2. He's the propitiation, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Second Corinthians 5, 15. He died for all. Mm-hmm. So, dear friends, come to Christ. Yeah. And whoever comes to him, he will not cast you out. Yeah. And I, I would just say, you know, if every single person was saved based on what Jesus did, every uni- person in the universe... Why would the Bible even talk about hell? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. why would it even be mentioned? You know, you could say, oh, the Old Testament. Why would it be mentioned in the New Testament? It's mentioned a lot of times in the New Testament. Yeah. Why so, should we go and tell anybody? Yeah. If they're yeah. going to be saved we, already, why, why do we, we go into all the world and yeah. preach the gospel? Exactly. I mean, and if they're going to be saved and believe the gospel, then how come there are a billion Muslims in the world who live and die not believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross and mm-hmm. was and rose again? So, yeah. I mean... It, I mean, that's what, if somebody dies believing that, they cannot be saved. Mm-hmm. And so, dear friends, there's salvation in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And we want to, uh, we're going to go to a song right now. And so give us a call at 929-333-3739. It's a powerful song about the look of Jesus Christ. And he's looking upon you tonight as you're listening And as God is dealing with your heart, look to Jesus. Let him work. I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood Who fixed his loving eyes on me as near his cross I stood And never till my dying breath will I forget that look It seemed to charge me with his death Though not a word he spoke My conscience felt and owned the guilt And plunged me in despair I saw my sins his blood had spilled And helped to nail him there But with a second look he said I freely all forgive 
this blood is for your ransom paid. I die that you might that you're listening with us tonight and we're excited to be here Micah is here by my side and we have a wonderful couple in our church George and Lorraine and we're so blessed to have them and we're going to continue our conversation in Romans chapter 5 and talk about how grace abounds now through the entrance of the law he says in verse 20 moreover the law entered that the offense might abound so the law causes the offenses or trespasses to abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So, mm-hmm. Paul, with great brevity, is stating the design of the law and the mission or the ultimate goal of the gospel, and that's to show the abounding grace of God. So, Lorraine, according to verse 20 here that I just read, what is a great purpose or goal that God had in giving us the law? Yeah, so if we look at verse 20 again, it starts by saying, Moreover, the law entered that offense might abound. So the law was to amplify the sinfulness of sin and point out how great it is in our hearts. 
So when the law was given, all of humanity could see their need of Jesus, of a Savior. And in Romans 3, um, 19 and 20, I'll just read it real quick so we can have an understanding. It says, mm-hmm. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. And here are the next key words. It says, For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So from this we can see that the law had been placed so that we can have knowledge of sin. Mm. And it makes us accountable to God. And I want to quote you, Pastor, from a past preaching. And you said, God's law is the light of God that reveals us that reveals to us the rebellion we have in our hearts towards God, and the law does exactly that. Yeah, it does. That's great. Thank you, Lorraine. Micah, did you want to add? Yeah, you know, I think this is a really interesting concept. It's a little bit hard to get your brain around, um, and it it reminds me of that phrase, you know, there's been a twist. (laughs) You know, the law wasn't to make man perfect. You know, Paul tells us here, Mm -hmm. and and in a few other passages, you know, it was not meant ultimately to make man perfect, but was God's tool to expose man's sinfulness. It was like a flashlight that exposed what was hidden in man's heart. I was in a conversation just last week, last Sunday, in fact, where someone, not in our church, but um, they claimed to be without sin. So another brother who was in the conversation asked him, well, do you ever lie? And the man said, lying isn't a sin. <laughs> so we turned to Exodus 20 and showed him that lying or bearing false witness was actually one of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And for a second he said, Okay, you got me good there before going on to make excuses for himself. So in real time, we watched as the law, which we're not under any longer, but the law, what it did was expose the man to his own sinfulness. And then the correct response, once somebody is exposed to their own sinfulness, should be a turning to God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like this. We drive vehicles, and New York City has a 25-mile-an-hour speed limit <laughs> okay so yeah. then and then they put camera lights all all around the yeah. city yeah. so that this law it, it just increases offenses right you know if there was no 25 mile an hour speed limit and camera lights we wouldn't be getting tickets in the mail yeah. every now and then i mean i don't i don't get too many of them do you, do you get no i got one from uh, driving in the uh, bus lane okay, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. okay so you see there was a law if there was yeah. no law for driving it you wouldn't have gotten a ticket right so the idea of that this is that the law increases the trespasses mm-hmm. and there's an example of this in the Old Testament, and it's really amazing what God told them certain things to do. Mm. They would never have known not to do that unless God said, for example, you shall not sow your field with mingled seed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So your field, if you're sowing tomato seeds on that field, mm-hmm. don't put apple seeds on that field. Mm-hmm. Just put tomato seeds. Well, somebody, some farmer, rebellious farmer come along that don't, nobody going to tell me what seeds to put in my mm-hmm. field, you know? Yeah. Well, you're, it just, it just amplified, mm-hmm. exposed yeah. his rebellion yeah. against God. And so there's certain laws that, well, that's what the law does. Mm. So it's kind of like, 
if you see a sign that says, don't do this, don't drink out of this water mm. fountain, or or don't go swimming in this lake, well, what does the sinful nature want to do? Mm. Wants to, oh, <laughs> I want to taste that water, right. man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to swim. That, that mm. lake looks really inviting to yeah. me. Just, just, so have you ever had a situation like that where a law amplified your own sin, Micah? Yeah. Uh, just last. Friday. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, I was in the grocery store and I made a small purchase, but the person in front of me who had made a purchase with a whole big cart of stuff, she had she was in an electric wheelchair, and then there was somebody with her, and so they were packing up their stuff, and I literally, after I made my quick purchase, I could not get out. I couldn't squeeze around them. I didn't want to, you know, be rude to them and move them out of the way. So I was closest to the entrance, so I actually tried to go out the entrance, but it was like oh. kind of that door where it only opens if you're coming in. Yes. It doesn't open if you're trying to go out. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to wait till somebody comes in. Well, it was a security guard who <laughs> came in, and he said, you can't go out this way. And I was like, well, here's my receipt, and I couldn't get around that woman. And, and I got really annoyed because he was like, no, you can't go out this way. And I was like really, really annoyed. But, you know, I went out the regular way, and then I realized – you know, there's a law in place, a rule in place, you know, yeah. in that mm-hmm. grocery store because they're, they're suffering from shoplifting, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're, they made yeah. a rule. It's a good rule. It prevents, you know, the store from closing because too many people are stealing. And it really actually convicted me that, like, okay, I just need to fall. It didn't matter that it was inconvenient for me. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter that I had all these reasons why I wanted to go out. It's just I need to follow the rules just like mm-hmm. everybody else. Yeah, right. there you go. Yeah. Lorraine, did you want to, uh, do you have a story like that of where you weren't supposed to do something, but you did? No. Yes, many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Many, but um, I'm reminded of a time where I was about 13, 13, 14 years old, and me and my friends went to this back street of where I live, and there was a bunch of um, cargo trains there, and we were so curious to see what was in them, what was around, and what was between us and the cargo trains was a huge metal gate, a bunch of people's properties, and then the cargo trains. So we knew that if we were to go over the gate Mm -hmm. and through the people's properties, that's trespassing. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the excitement got to us, the curiosity got Mm -hmm. the best of us, Mm -hmm. and we went. We trespassed all those people's yards. We went, we snuck our way. And then um, we ran back because we heard people from the window saying, hey, you're not supposed to be here. Mm. So then we ran back. And then unfortunately, when we were climbing the gate again, my friend got hurt so bad because oh. the gate cut her up. It was mm. like this broken, ragged mm-hmm. gate. Yeah. So she got hurt in the process. Mm-hmm. The consequences mm-hmm. of breaking the laws and trespassing. Mm-hmm. George, what, what about you? Well, the do's and the don'ts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, my father was a mechanic, and he had a little shop right there in New Jersey and New Lots, for those that know Brooklyn. And um, in the 70s, you know, with the gangs and and the crimes and the racial issues. Uh, He told me not to go around the corner, and I go tell her exactly what he told me not to do. I go right around the corner, (laughs) and they start throwing us bottles, and I I try to um, hide behind a tree, and I see a bottle coming. I go run, and my shirt got caught on the tree, and I fall right back, and the bottle busts my leg open, Mm. and here I got to go to the hospital with my father and my father's like go ahead cry go ahead cry and I'm like "Mm -hmm." yeah so consequences because of the 
not listening. You, you know, my story is I grew up in in Creskill, New Jersey, just mm-hmm. across the George Washington Bridge there and right beside Alpine. And there was a very mysterious castle called Reander's Castle. And it was kind of like a rite of passage as as you were growing up in my neighborhood that you that you and you had to trespass. Mm-hmm. You had to like trespass onto the property to to go look at Reander's Castle, and you oh. would you would bring hot dogs and you would you would make a cookout up there. I mean, it was like a rite of passage when okay. you were a teenager, an adolescent. Yeah. So we we so we all did that, and I did that. But you know what? Now that whole area is developed into beautiful homes and everything mm-hmm. and you could drive right up to Rionder's <laughs> castle now so if i had just waited i didn't have to trespass okay so so there are a lot of laws in this world for sure and god caused a law the mosaic law to enter so that his grace would abound because no man can keep that law mm-hmm. but jesus did so that's why the abounding aspect of the law causes us to look to Jesus. Mm. So, George, in Galatians 3.19, we're going to just skip over there real quick and just look at this one verse, because I think it's an important verse regarding the law of God. And there's a number of principles that this verse teaches regarding the law. Let me read the verse and just share what you think one of the principles here from this verse is. Because Paul asks an important question. He says, wherefore then serves the law? Or what's the purpose of the law. What's, what purpose does it serve? Mm-hmm. He says, it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Okay? Amen. Amen. Um, uh, as he was reading that scripture, I just think about um, Jesus came to take away the sins of the world. You know, so um, where we break the law Jesus came to take away yeah. mm-hmm. that sin so mm-hmm. in Jesus we could be that overcoming we could overcome anything through Christ and that that that's what I see in that yeah absolutely brother and and I'm going to say this gently to our dear Seventh-day Adventist friends out there that this passage is clear that the law had a temporary purpose And that once Jesus Christ came and fulfilled the law, he delivers us from all aspects of the Mosaic law. Mm -hmm. That means the moral law, the Ten Commandments, as well as the ceremonial, as well as the civil aspects of the law. We are free from the law. And we're going to get more into that as we go into Romans 6 and 7. But notice what this says. It says, the law was added because of transgressions, Till the seed should come. Mm -hmm. Christ is our schoolmaster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're not under the law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, not only do we not have to follow the law, you know, for Jew or for Gentile, it's not even possible anymore. You know, because as of 70 AD, there's no longer a temple to make all of the animal sacrifices. You can't even do all those ceremonial laws. So Mm -hmm. it's actually impossible to even attempt to fully follow the law of Moses. Now, there are, of course, those um, of the Jewish faith, you mentioned Seventh-day Adventists, who still try to follow the other parts of the law, but they're ignoring this roadblock that God actually put up. You know, it's one more indication that Jesus' sacrifice was once for all. Now, there will be a time in the future when God allows a third temple to be built, and animal sacrifices will 
commence again. But for the students of Daniel and readers of Revelation, we know that that's only an indication that we're at the very, very end. Yeah. Yes, dear Jewish friends, I have good news for you. Jesus Christ could set you free from the law. I mean, we we had somebody on the program a few weeks ago where they brought somebody in to their house just so they could hit the elevator buttons or turn on yeah. the stove or yeah. something, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they didn't even think they could turn on their stove because of law commands. And yet, just think of all the aspects of the law that Jewish people cannot even Can't obey. Even do, right. Yeah, because there is no temple, yeah. like you said. And, dear friends, the law is temporary. Mm-hmm. The law, basically, you know what it was? God had given this promise of the seed, Jesus Christ, to come. Mm-hmm. But because we're so rebellious and sinful, God basically gave the law to kind of fence in the people of Israel yeah. to keep them... In the under, meantime. Yeah, in the meantime, <laughs> to keep them obedient to Him so that when the Messiah came, yeah. they would understand that He came. But mm-hmm. th- they missed Him. Mm-hmm. So, dear Jewish friends... Dear anyone out there who doesn't know Jesus, you need Jesus because Amen. the righteousness of the law, which is good, the law is good and holy and just, the righteousness of God's law can be fulfilled in you when you believe in Jesus. And that's amazing. Hallelujah. So the law entered by grace. Christ Amen. came by grace. And we see finally that grace reigns. Grace abounds and grace reigns. So that's a very interesting phrase here that Paul uses, Lorraine, in verse number, uh, uh, the last verse 21, where he says, as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. So what does this mean that grace reigns to eternal life through Jesus Christ? Yeah, well, grace reigns through the righteousness of Christ and it puts us right with him again. You know, mm-hmm. sin is so dominating in our lives, and when mm-hmm. we aren't in Christ, it completely controls us. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing the world has to offer that can satisfy. So, like with drug addicts, for example, mm-hmm. they have a little taste at first, but then after a while, it doesn't give them that rush anymore. So, they experiment with harder drugs, and mm-hmm. um, and then those eventually aren't enough anymore. Um, then finally, like the prodigal son, they or or we uh, realize that there's nothing left there's no one left to turn to mm-hmm. except to the father mm-hmm. and it really is a sweet feeling knowing that even though sin abounded in our lives uh, the father has his arms outstretched wide for us you know mm-hmm. and he uses sin to magnify his grace through Jesus and because of that the reign of sin ended and you know the result of being saved by grace through faith is that we are completely forgiven and transformation and made right, made righteous in God's sight. Mm-hmm. We are transformed and made right in His sight yeah, through yeah. Jesus, and it's through His righteousness alone Amen. and not ours. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and grace is amazing. As, as, as grace is found in the life of Noah. So anyone mm-hmm. who's ever been saved has yeah. been saved by God's grace. Noah mm-hmm. found grace mm-hmm. in the eyes of the Lord. Abraham mm-hmm. found grace in the eyes of the Lord when he believed, and it was counted to him for righteousness but the fullness of grace Mm -hmm. comes through Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. where John even says that Christ is full of grace and truth and John 117 amazingly says that the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. so that it's not that there wasn't grace and truth in the law obviously the law is God's word and Mm -hmm. there's grace always in God and there's truth always in God mm-hmm. but the fullness 
The fullness of grace and truth is in Jesus Christ, dear friends. Mm -hmm. That's why we need him. Amen. Yeah, and I just, I see that word reign, R-E-I-G-N, and I think of royalty. Mm -hmm. And I just was thinking about, you know, in 1 Timothy 6.15 and in several places in the book of Revelation, Jesus is called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I love Revelation 19.16. It says, and he, Jesus, hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so he's nothing less than the ruler of all heaven and earth. And so then we as his followers, you know, we're covered in his grace. He reigns and his grace reigns and we are simply willing beneficiaries of that grace. And again, while we're still still living in the flesh down here on earth, you know, Paul tells us, though that in Ephesians 2, 6, it says we're already sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Amen. We are seated with Jesus. Dear friends, this passage says that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Whatever sin is abounding in your life, God's grace can overrule mm-hmm. and reign, not R-A-I-N. I'm glad you spelled reign. R- <laughs> R-E-I-G-N. Yeah. Like rule, dominate. Mm-hmm. God's grace can overcome the sin in your life. His right. grace is sufficient for you, dear friends. So come to Christ. Or if sin has just got a stranglehold on you, Turn to the Lord and even call us. We have a few minutes left in our program at 929-333-3739. Call us right now. And we're blessed to have you with us tonight, George and Lorraine. Thank Thank you you for your testimonies, George, that you shared of God's grace coming to you while you were in prison after dealing drugs. Mm -hmm. And when you got out of prison, you didn't go back to that way of life. To God's glory, yeah. He, He put that fear. Uh, I was sharing earlier of a scripture that he gave me when I was leaving the prison and he said um, that if I'm giving you your freedom but if you turn away from me yeah. your later end is going to be worse than your beginning uh, yeah. Yeah. so that's, it's that's like scripture you know, that says I, that, that, yeah. and, and, and that set me on yep. that path yeah. to Amen. like no with God you cannot play Mm-hmm. And there are many scriptures. Are there great examples in the Bible of those who needed the superabounding grace of God? So as we close the program tonight, Micah, why don't we start uh, with, with with you? Sure. But um, and well, let's just share some examples. And after Michael Lorraine, yeah. you could share of some uh, examples or people in the Bible who needed yeah. this grace of God. Well, just real quickly, Jonah. I love Jonah because he experienced the superabounding grace of God twice. You know, the first time God had given a, a command, he ran the opposite direction, mm-hmm. and then God put up roadblocks. He right. he sent a storm, he sent a whale, and then God said, "Okay, I'm going to give you a second chance." You know, and yeah. then and then Jonah obeyed, went to Nineveh, preached to them, was successful. But then he rebelled again. He said, God, I knew you were too merciful. You know, he shook his fist at God saying you were too merciful and he rebelled again. But the whole reason we have the book of Jonah is because he came around to realize the error of his ways and God gave him that Mm. grace multiple times. Amen. Amen. Lorraine, what's an example to you of someone? Yeah, in the Bible, there's a story um, of a woman caught in adultery. And Mm -hmm. that's in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And back then, being an adulterer, that was a sin punishable by death, according mm. to one of the laws of yeah. Moses. So the Pharisees, they had an adulterous woman in custody, and they took her to Jesus to like, see what he would do or what he would say. 
and trying to um, have an opportunity to accuse him. So Jesus said to them, He that is without sin, cast the, the first, first stone. Amen, amen. God bless you, sister. We're going to have to let that be, be the last word. That's the right... <laughs> and then go and sin no more, right? Go right, and, sin, go no and more. sin no more. So thank you, Lorraine. Thank you, George. Amen. Micah, God bless you. Dear friends, trust the abounding grace of God. His grace. Let His grace rule in your life. Amen. 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 Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.